up. But on that one day, I, um, one day in particular, I had caught these carp, and I got this one cut right here on my index finger on my right hand. And, um, or no, it was my left hand. It was right here. And um, I, I remember I was like, I was just about to go to Young Life Camp, and um, I was hanging out with a friend who was kind of a doctor friend. I was like, hey, check this out. Like, I got this pretty bad, gnarly cut. And I really liked telling people that I got it from catching a 10-pound carp. Um, it just seemed right. So I went with it. And, um, and he's like, you, you probably should get that checked out. Like, like my friend who's, who's in the medical profession, he's like, yeah, that doesn't look right. And I was like, whatever, dude. You know, I'm fine. And I went to Young Life Camp the next week. And you can't leave. And I, it was so sore and so painful. It, it wasn't like I had to go to the hospital afterwards, but I remember thinking, yeah, I probably should have gotten that checked out. And I think that there's a little bit of that in all of us. You know, it, like I've heard, it, I've heard it said that that's like a guy thing, I don't need a doctor. I, I don't think it is. I think, I think all of us at some point in time could just be like, somebody's like, you probably should get that checked out. And we're like, it's fine, please stop. A lot of times we can be like this guy that you guys know very well once you see who it is. We can be like the, 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 the black knight <laughs> in the Holy Grail, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, and he's like, tis but a scratch. And he's like, a scratch? I, I cut your arm off. You know, what, what's that right there? He's like, is that your arm? He's like, no, it's not. You know, like, I've had worse or, you know, whatever. Like, like we all just, ah, it's fine. What, what is that in us? Tis but a flesh wound, you know? Like, what is that in us to kind of minimize when something, you know, something's wrong, you know? Um, I want to think about that this morning. We're in this series um, called This Side of Christmas. And it's, it's ta- we're talking about Christmas, and we'll be talking about Christmas for a couple more weeks, obviously. And this is really a series, honestly, where we, we kind of do the why behind the what. It's good. I think it's really, really good for I mean, in every area, in, biz- in, in business, we should talk about the why behind the what we're doing, that kind of stuff, and in leadership, and teams, and, you know, all sorts of areas, but church is no different. We really should, we do a lot of things. We have a lot of traditions, right? We have a lot of things that go on, and in, in why do we do them? And I think Christmas needs to be one of those because we do it every year. We celebrate this little baby in a manger. And I, th- I think for some of us, there's this, um, like, okay, but why? Or what's the big deal? And that's what we talked about last week, that this series is kind of for those of us who have thought that, who have thought, like, okay, I, I just don't get it. Um, so that's what this side of Christmas is about. And today what we're going to see, we're going to look at the Christmas narrative. We're going to look at when, the an- when an angel appeared to Joseph, um, which is, if you grew up in church, you're, you're probably familiar with. And we're going to specifically look at how in the New Testament, in the Gospels, what did people think God should do? So Christmas is all about God coming to earth, right? God being born of, of, of a woman, God, God taking on flesh, God in a bod. We talked about the incarnation last week. That, that's what Christmas is about. If, if God came to us, what should God do? And we're going to look specifically because you look, if you read the New Testament, you see very clearly that pe- there are things that, God, that people thought God should do. In, in fact, I just put this slide up. That, like, everybody knows what God should do. 
it, that's the same, it's same, I think the same is true today. And this is why, it, again, why Christmas matters is a lot of what they thought and a lot of what they did in 2,000 years ago is a lot of how we think and what we do now. But let me just add, so everybody kind of has this idea of like what God should do as a, as a pastor. I get, I get like, I get into conversations you guys probably never would very quickly, you know, just because like, hey, the whole pastor thing. And I, actually, if you guys know me well, I don't play the pastor card fast <laughs> because it changes the conversation a little bit and not in a bad way, but like a lot of times I like to, hey, where's this person coming from? And I might not get that if they know I'm a pastor right off the bat. I'm not afraid of it. I just told you I love it. But like, I'm, I'm slow to play that card because, but what, when, I, when I do play that card, I do get into some great conversations with people. Maybe you've had them as well. And it's kind of true. Everybody knows what God should do. Everybody has an opinion on what they think God should be up to. And in fact, let me just start before we dig into the verses that we're going to read today. What do you think God should do? You know? What, what do you think God should be up to? Like, come on, be honest. Like, think about if, if, if God was here. Say, say it's Christmas 2,000 years ago. God in a bod is here. And you got to sit down with Jesus. He's no longer a little baby. He can talk to you. What would you want him to change in your life? What would you want him to change in the world? What should God be up to? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Kind of interesting. If he was here, what would be his first order of business? And then the question is, is would God agree with that? Would, would you and God be on the same page? Let's just hold that thought. I want to I read. We're in Matthew chapter 1. So this is the very first page of the New Testament right here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'm going to have the verses on the screen. And it's a very Christmassy verse that we're going to look at today. It starts like this. Go ahead and put it up. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to, or his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Mary and Joseph, you guys know that. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, and this is, uh, they weren't married yet, but this is like the, the, the New Testament uses the word husband. Because back then, basically, to be betrothed, was to be married. I actually just, uh, I was reading a book that's like a couple hundred years old, and, and it was like a French book, and that's, it was true then. Like, people that were betrothed, it was like, we're already married. Like, to, to not get married would be like a divorce. So, so here we are. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. Like, he's a nice guy. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He's like, you know, we don't need to make a big scene out of this. You know, Mar Mary's pregnant. I didn't do it. So, you know, there, there, there's, there's some things in the law that, that they, they could really, like, like the law says to stone her maybe even. I don't want to go that far. And, and here's what's interesting about the law. So a lot of times what was, uh, uh, you know, the law talked about, they didn't do. It had probably been a, a few hundred years before the, uh, since the Jewish people had actually stoned somebody, partly because now they're under the thumb of the Roman Empire, and they actually cannot uh, execute, or what's the word, legislate, or uh, like what's the, the judicial word for, they can't carry out um, an execution. They don't have the power to do so. 
So it, it, times have changed, but, but regardless, this is, the, the, he, you can see that she could have expo been exposed to public disgrace. He says, no, I don't want to do that. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, so maybe he'd even had the breakup conversation with Mary, had the heart to heart, had, went to see the, the, the you know, like a, a priest and said, hey, I don't know what happened, but this is what I would like to do. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he has this vision, either like while he's sleeping or, you know, he has this dream. And the angel of the Lord said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, we got to pause here for a second. Um, this whole thing of, of, of the virgin birth and, and the Holy Spirit conceiving was very odd. It, it's just, if, we, if you grew up in a church, and if, especially if you grew up Catholic, the virgin and the virgin birth are very important. And I'm, and like, I'm not like um, trying to, to, to talk bad about Mary at all. Actually, like quite the opposite. Mary is, is someone to uphold. But the, the thing about it is people had to think she was crazy. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine the conversation with Mary and her parents? And, you know, she start, she's got this little bump. And she and, and it's probably months into the pregnancy. And she's like, and they're like, hey, Mary, um, everything okay? And when she finally decides to spill the beans, right? Like, I'm pregnant. And then, you know, like, what would happen next? The parents would be like, okay, so, like, which one of these boys running around? You know, like, like, come on. And she's like, no, 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 none of that. It's from the Holy Spirit. Mmm. Okay. Come on, Mary, Mary. It's us. It, 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 it's mom. You can tell mom. Like, no judgment. Like, 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 just be honest. No, I swear, mom, it's from the Lord. Okay. You know, like, like, honestly, this is, put yourself in Mary's shoes. That would have been a very difficult situation. Now put yourself in Joseph's shoes, and he's in a sticky situation as well. And, you know, this angel appears to Joseph, son of David, do, you, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because she's actually not crazy. <laughs> you know? She will give birth, verse 21, to a son. And you are to give him the name Joshua. That is not a misprint. Some of you are like, whoa, hold on, you're playing tricks on us here. Actually, the, the name Jesus is the Hebrew, comes from the Hebrew name Joshua. I'm going to learn you something new. In fact, not only am I going to learn, I'm going to, don't tell Christy this, but she's like, hey, you know, like, what are you preaching on tomorrow? We're talking through my sermon last night. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to talk about Jesus as Joshua. And she's like, what do you mean? And, and, I, and it's like, no, his name is Joshua. She didn't know that. Miss, like, grew up in, like, the Christian school. I was like, well, I know this. I didn't even go to I went to public school, you know. But, yeah, so, so like, you know, I, I kind of like this. Jesus' real name, his Hebrew name was Yeshua, which is Joshua, you know, which is, you know, it's kind of nice for me. Can I get an amen? Okay, no other Joshua's in here, just me. I heard that you want to hear something really cheesy? So one time, no one said yes, I'm just going to tell it anyway. Uh, one time I was, um, I met somebody named Josh, and I think he was in ministry or not, or something too, and, and he's like, Joshua, good strong name. 
And then he said this. He's like, Moses was the one that led the Israelites to the promised land. But Joshua was the one who took him in. And I was like, oh, that is so bad. I can't wait to use it. And this is literally the first time I've gotten to use it. So you're welcome. There you go. So Joshua, like literally, so again, again, you have to put yourself in the shoes of, the, of you know, Joseph seeing an angel. Okay? He's told that Mary's not crazy. He does not know that he does not know the word Jesus like we know it now. There is no connotations of a baby boy, boy born in a manger. The cross has not happened. None of that has happened. When he hears the word Yeshua, he thinks Old Testament, Moses getting the people out of uh, Egypt. They're in the desert for 40 years. They, do, they, they won't follow God. So God's like, all right, I'm not taking you guys into the promised land. You guys aren't ready for this. I'm taking your kids in, including you, Moses. Moses, you're not going to the promised land, but Joshua, your successor, is. And Joshua comes on the scene, and he kicks butt. Like, literally, just cleans house in the, in the land of Canaan. They cross the river, and they just, they just take, they take over. It's their land. It's the promised land. They're coming home to the land of Abraham, to the land flowing with milk and honey. That's what Joseph thought when he heard those words. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Joshua. And here's why. Because he will save his people from there. Now, don't pay attention to that word. Just and, 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 and Joseph's like, oh, here we go. And then the angel says the word sins. He's like, oh. Like, literally, Joseph was tracking to that point. And what he's thinking about, he's thinking very messianic thoughts. He's thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I'm going to be part of the Messiah story. This angel is real. This angel is telling me what's going on. I didn't touch Mary. This, she's going to give birth to the Messiah, Joshua. And, 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 and here's, here's what was in Joseph's mind with the Messiah. Go put the next slide up. With the, with, uh, no, the next one. He, he, he's saying, here's the deal. Rome is our problem. He's, he's like, okay, sin, this whole thing about save people from their sins, we don't need that. Rome needs saving from their sins. We need to be saved from Rome. Therefore, we need a savior with a sword. And so uh, this did not happen, but just bear with me here for a second. Because here's the deal. When, any, when, an, when an angel comes to people, they don't usually talk back. They usually hit the floor. In fact, I, I have a really hard time when people say, I heard God say, or God spoke to me, or God showed up, or I saw God. It's like, yeah, no, you didn't, because your face didn't melt. <laughs> like, your face is still okay. Or, or, or if, if somebody says, like, I think I'm hearing God's voice, it's like, ah, maybe. You know, because I, I, I think when God speaks, it's pretty clear as to what he wants. Like, You'll know it. I do actually, I do believe one, there was a friend of mine a few years back that was driving, and, and she was not walking with the Lord. She'd been, you know, like rebelling against him for years, and, there, and she's driving, and there's a bright light, and she, she heard, like, Jesus say, hey, what are you doing? And she, it changed her life. It shook her up. I was like, okay, I might, I might believe that. Because, like, like, the presence of the Lord is, is intense. Angels, like, there's a reason that they, the very first thing they say is what? 
Yeah, don't be afraid. You're like, you're like, oh, come on, stand up. Listen, you know, like, look, look we got to go. I'm only here for a couple minutes, you know. But this is this is this angel comes. But if imagine, like, like, humor me for a second. If Joseph had a conversation with the angel, it might look like this. Okay, like, okay, the Joshua thing, I get. This is awesome. Saving from our sins, you know, angel. I don't know if you know this, but we actually have a pretty sophisticated system that already takes care of our sins. It's called the temple. You want to go see it? You know, like, oh, no, you already know it. Cool. So as you know, we don't need saving. We don't, in other words, we don't need help in that department. But there is one place we do need help, the Romans. The Romans need saving from their sin. They've done all sorts of bad things. Look at how they treat us. We have no freedom. We have no liberty. We barely can worship God. And that could be taken away at any moment. So, Angel, why don't you send our Messiah to go save, you know, the, from their sins. They need to be, you know, what we need, and what we need is to be saved from Rome. And so what we really need is a savior with a sword. You know why? You know why Joseph would say that? Because everybody knows what God should do. Right? Everybody's got an idea as to what God should do. You and I have an idea. I already asked you, what would you have God do? If he showed up, you'd have a list, maybe even a laundry list of things. Like, I would like you to take a look at this. And some of, don't get me wrong, those things that you want and long for, they're, they're good. Like, you, they're things you would want him to change in the world to make it a better and safer place, to, to you know, bring justice to the oppressed. I, I'm not saying what you want is shallow. It's just it might be different than what God has in mind, and that's exactly what we're seeing here with this Joseph story. Everything's making sense. Yes, yes, oh my gosh, I get to be part of the story. I sorry, say what? You want to save us from our sins? Angel, that's not a felt need for us. We already have that. But here's the problem. There's, there's a lot of problems with sin. The, 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 main, the main problem with sin is no one thinks it's their problem. Like, it's really hard for us to think that, that sin, like, like, okay, you know, what's wrong in the world? And you're like, oh, man, this over here and this over there, and can you take care of my boss? And, you know, like, you just kind of, you could work from outer circle to inner circle, right, with the problems in the world. Anybody can do that. But then when it comes down to it, it's like, but is there, you know, well, me, you know, sin? You know, like, what's the big, in fact, maybe you've, like, played around with the idea of church or Christianity, and this, this, this word, sin, is kind of a sticking point for you. I get it. Because it's really hard. Like, the problem, it's, it, we, we, we are, tend to minimize what's, what's wrong with us a lot of times. I got this quote from C.S. Lewis. No sermon's complete without a quote from C.S. Lewis. Those, those who do not think about their own sins make up for it by thinking incessantly about the sins of others. In other words, when we come to sin, a lot of times, and, and, and we, we, you and I, we have to wrestle with this, every one of us, especially if you're a church person, but even if you're not, our reaction to the, the problems in the world is it's something that's out there that needs to be addressed. Rarely, sometimes, sometimes we are honest, but rarely do we say it's something that's actually in here. And that's what Joseph is going through. He's like, wait, wait, save us from our sins. No, go get them. Like, like sick them, you know? Go get Rome. That's what, we, that's what we need. And the angel starts 
Jesus' ministry, and it would be a theme that would continue on. Jesus, you know, people would bring the invalid people to Jesus, and he'd be like, go, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, Jesus, you're blind? He's got crutches, for crying out loud. The guy can't walk, whatever. And, and Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. I know what he really, really, really needs. And I said this last week, and then they'd be like, who, like they would be indignant. Who can, you know, forgive sins but God? And, and Jesus was just standing over there like, That's the, yeah, exactly. That's the point. I'm God. And I'm here to, to deliver what the world needs. And what the world needs is forgiveness from sin. I don't know if you, if you feel this way. I don't know if you think about it this way. But what you and I need most and, and there's a list of needs. We could make a list of needs or maybe strong wants or whatever in our lives that, that would make life better. In fact, I, I was, it was with my counselor this week, and she was asking, like, kind of prying into something. And, and, and she's like, you know, I was like, I just wish this was true. And she's like, if that was true, would your life, would that take care of it? And I said, yes. I emphatically said yes, and I knew as the yes was coming out of my mouth, I, it was wrong. But I was like, that is what I need. And then she just kind of paused, and she's like, okay, I know what we're going to talk about next week. So I'll, I'll report back next week. <laughs> but here's the thing. Many people know that there's problems in the world. We know there, no, no, every, that's not news. That is, actually, that is news. This is the problems in the world. Few people see the root of those problems as sin. And even fewer people see that root of that problem actually starting with us. It's something that's global, but it's not something that's personal. And, and, and you might say, okay, yeah, but God, how have I wronged you? I think this is a really important question for us to talk about in church. How exactly have we wronged God? You know, like, like in, in the global scheme of things, like, yeah, I've done some things wrong. Nobody's perfect, but it's not that bad. And, and I, I get it, but here's, here's the thing about this. I wrote this down. Can you put that, that next slide up? It's never right for the offender to tell the offended how they should feel. You don't let your kids do this, right? Oh, it's not that big of a deal. I didn't, I didn't mean anything by it. I only took a little. They have so much. I just took a little bit, you know, from work. It, it, it's just one time. Okay, maybe it was two. You know, I didn't hit them that hard. That's my favorite one from the kids. You know, like, again, as parents, we don't put up with this crap. Like, no, 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 no. You are, you are the offender. You don't get to, to tell the offended how they should feel. And in this case, what's so big about our sin is, is yeah, and I love the phrase, nobody's perfect. It's like, oh, oh, slow down. I, need to, I, I haven't heard that, you know? If, well, that changes everything. If nobody's perfect, then I'm totally going to cut you some slack, you know? But how can we stand, like, like we, it, it, we have to be careful that we don't minimize, here, put the next slide up. Our we have to recognize the tendency in our hearts to minimize the wrong that's in, that, that we've done and amplify the wrong that's been done to us. We all, come on, come on, come on, come on. Have you ever known somebody, have you ever overheard a conversation 
of somebody talking about something they did wrong and they're like indignant. You, you pity that person. They're like, yeah, this guy totally freaked out. I didn't do that much. You know? And you're like, you're, you don't even know them. You're just overhearing in a restaurant. You're like, you're, like, you're in the wrong. You, you, I, you're, you won't own up to what you've done. Again, you wouldn't let your kids do that. But come on, come on, come on. Can we recognize that own tendency in ourselves? It wasn't that bad. I was having a really bad week. If you knew what I was going through, you'd understand what I did. And we minimize, and, and all of that's true, but it's still sin. And I, I was, I was um, hanging out with my good friend, Dr. Payne, from Denver Seminary. I've told you guys about him before. We were hunting. There was three of us. It was me, Dr. Payne, and a, a friend of ours from the Czech Republic, actually. And he, he doesn't have faith, and, and so... Dr. Payne and I were talking about actually a book that he was writing, and it was about salvation and, and how Christ saved us from sin, and, and it was cool. My buddy Marcel just kind of piped in like, hey, so what's the big deal with sin? Like, why, why do we, like, need to talk about this? Like, can't God just get over it? You know, like all of the things that kind of come to our mind when you stop and think about sin, right? And he just had the, he had the, the frankness to bring it up. It was great. And, and Dr. Payne, I'll never forget, he said this phrase. He's like, every time sin, sin always has to be addressed. Here's another question for you. Have you ever had somebody wrong you and then want to pretend like nothing happened? That sucks, doesn't it? We, we, we don't like that. And we're, we're, we're like, gosh, what do I do? Because I want a relationship with them. But if they just keep acting like this, I don't, know if I, can, we, I don't know if I can do this. Because every time sin happens, sin has to be addressed. And here's the reason why. Again, you might not think of sin this way. But every time sin occurs, something dies. Sin always leads to death. That's, that's the biblical narrative. And that's, that's, that's why God doesn't want us to do it. Hey, don't eat the fruit of the tree, Adam and Eve, because if you do it, you'll, you'll surely die. I'm not going to kill you. You're just, it's, it's a path that leads away from life and leads to death. There's consequences for sin, always. And what Christmas is about, the message of Christmas, and this is why I'm so passionate about preaching this this morning, is we can't miss, my pray, you, know, you know what my prayer for you this morning is? That the, that the message of Christmas, that Christmas would not be wasted on us this year. That Christmas wouldn't just go, come and go and all the festivities and yay, that was fun. Good food, now I need to lose some weight. You know, like, that Christmas wouldn't be wasted on us. And that Christmas wouldn't be this cute thing about, like, yes, Christmas is all about God coming to us and how much you're worth it and how much you're worth it and how much you're worth it. And he would have come for just you and just you and just you. That is so true. But the message of Christmas is the, the warrior king Joshua coming to this world to deal with the biggest problem in this world. And that's sin. That's you and I's tendency to walk away from God, to, to hurt each other, to turn our back on him. That's what's number one on his mind. And if he was here and if he was here with you, you could talk about global news. 
But my guess is what Jesus would do is he'd be like, okay, let's put that aside, and I want to talk about what's in your heart. Which you might say, is, that's unfair. Like, I, I'm not that bad, but come on, come on, come on. Can we all agree that for this world to actually change, for this world to actually get better, the only thing that you have to influence that is yourself. The only way that you can actually bring positive change to this world, you can't change people. You can barely change your own habits, right? But the, the, the actual hope for this world is one by one. It's not a global movement. It's a, it starts as a personal one. And God cares for every person. And he wants to forgive the sin of every person. And, and, and read these words again. To free them, to save his people from their sins. You could even read that from the power of sin. That's what Christmas is about. And there's irony in it, and that's the irony adds to the story. The, there's irony that, that it's, it's a manger scene that we see this tiny little baby. But the reality is, and this, this is kind of cool, um, did you know that, that a lot of liturgical, more like, we're a pretty informal church, more of the formal churches, right now what they're talking about when they're talking about Advent and they're talking about Christmas is not Jesus in a manger. They're talking about Jesus riding on the clouds, coming down from heaven for the second time. See, on this side of Christmas, what we celebrate is, is not just a baby in a manger, what we celebrate is a God that is powerful enough and loves us enough and fierce enough that eventually he will come and he will, the, the Revelation describes him as uh, like in flames, drenched in blood and a sword coming out of his mouth. It's pretty intense. And he's coming to divide those, like, like, like to, to divide the quick and the dead, to divide those who followed him from those who have not, those who have decided, no, I don't want that life. He's come to divide them and, in, and bring peace and reestablish what we all want, what, all those things that you would say, this needs, God, this needs help. These people need help. These people need justice. That's what King Jesus, the Lion of Judah, he comes, he comes first as a lamb, but the second coming, he's a lion. He comes back to bring justice to the world. Are you ready for that? Is, is your heart ready for that? Are your sins forgiven? And, and, if, if, and if they are, what, what's beautiful is not overnight. Your sins are forgiven overnight, but then you bring, begin this process of becoming like Jesus. And over time, you, you take steps towards him. And every day, every month, every year, it is two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. But like you get closer to his heart. And every year, sin becomes less powerful over you. I don't know about you, but I want that. And my prayer is that for this Christmas, that that message would not be lost on you and me. Romans 6 says this, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body anymore, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Like, like just stop doing that. 
Bring that before the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Ask to be cleansed. And he will save his people from the power of their sins. Amen? We're going to sing a few songs. They're so good. I said this last week. I'm, I'm like a broken record. I'm sorry. I won't say that next week. Maybe. We're singing, um, we're going to sing Joy to the World. I just learned this this week. It's written by Isaac Watts just over 300 years ago. 300 years ago. We weren't even a nation then. Like, United States of what? You know, like, that was back when that was written. When he wrote it, he did not write it as a, a, a Christmas song. It was just a hymn. It was just a song. In fact, when he wrote it, it was titled this. Let me find it. It wasn't called Joy of the World. It was the Messiah's coming and his kingdom. And the coming he was talking about was not coming the baby Jesus. It was King Jesus coming back. Um, and in, the way it got into Christmas, interestingly enough, 1839, it was placed in Handel's Messiah. And that's how it got tied forevermore into Christmas. We're going to sing that song. We're going to sing a couple others. Sing them loud. Think about these words. Make sure they're not lost.